Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. You know, there's something magnificent and inspiring when you see an athlete who has trained for years do something that, as you look at it, is spectacular. I mean, how many of you have ever watched that, you know, the, the, uh, the little gymnast who heads off across that floor and all of a sudden is doing unbelievable things? And I don't know about you, I see it and I go, wow, I would have been hurt a long time before I got to that place if I tried. But you see that, you see a, a, a football player who, who you know, that, that uh, cr- um, crucial point in the game who, who dives and stretches out far and it makes an amazing catch to win the game. Uh, a baseball player, you know, who just either hits the ball and it goes out of the park or Tim over here who pitches, you know, throws that third strike past him. And you're just like, man, that's amazing. Or for you guys who grew up here in New England, in hockey, and how somebody takes somebody to the boards and puts them out of the game, right? Yeah, how come that's the only thing that got to... <laughs> you guys. Okay. But we see this, and what we realize is what, what's happening here is at those points, these, these people, they, because they've trained and worked on us, but... They're not holding back. They have gone all in, right? I mean, they are giving it everything that they could possibly give. And by the way, stories from the battlefield come across like this sometimes as well. And we hear that described in Abraham Lincoln's Gettysburg Address when he talked about those who gave the last full measure of devotion. Everything they had, they gave. None of these folks holding back. You can't be holding back and achieve those things. Well, as we've been talking about the church when it was young, right after Jesus first formed it in those, that first generation, we, we talked about how it, it, from any human, natural human understanding, that should have never survived in our world. I mean, government opposition, religious opposition against them, and they... They weren't, you know, educated people. They didn't have a foundation to support. I mean, all this kind of stuff, they didn't have it. And yet, here we are today. And what you see is that this characteristic, that quality we're talking about, uh, you know, the athletes from the battlefield, whatever, not holding back, that, that the early church was largely characterized by that same idea, not holding back. I'm sure there were individuals who were holding back, but overall, they didn't hold back. They, well, we're, we're going to talk about that today. Let's, let's do this. Let's go to the book of Ephesians. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Chapter 6. If you're using the Bible, it's in the chairs there. And we encourage you to follow along if you don't have your own Bible. It's going to be page 1347. 
So here in Ephesians, uh, I mean, the, the Ephesians is a, is a book where Paul tells us who we are in Christ and, and what he's done and what that means in our lives. And he gets into practical. Here's that means you need to live this way. These things need to go out of your life. These things need to come into your life. You need to learn to walk in the spirit and, and your relationships. And we talking about that. And then he comes down to the end here and starts talking about the armor of God, spiritual armor to do spiritual battle. But we get down to the end of that section, verse 18. He says this, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. So he's talking about all of us praying. We're all of us, we're praying for ourselves, we're praying for each other, okay? And he says we need to be doing that and praying specifically and keep after it, don't let it slide. And then verse 19, he says, and for me, and this word isn't there, but I think the point is, is, is really this. It's, and for me too. Okay, the apostle, right? He said, yeah, we all need to be praying. Me too. And I need you to pray for me too. Okay? He says, and for me, that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth. What's the next word? Boldly. To make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And we say, oh, that's nice. That's for the Apostle Paul. <laughs> well, it is for the Apostle Paul, but it isn't just for the Apostle Paul. This is a me too thing. I'm an ambassador. I'm not in chains, thankfully. But the Bible tells us that every one of us, we are ambassadors for Christ, okay? And, and he says, as an ambassador, I need to speak boldly. And so for every one of us as, as believers, there's a charge to us that we learn to speak boldly. Now, so let, let's put that, yeah, you got that, all right. So we are supposed to be bold when speaking for the Lord and sharing the gospel. Now, I want you to think right now, and can you, can you think of someone right now that you think that person seems bold, but I definitely do not want to be like him or her? Am I the only one? No. Oh, okay, all right. Right, and as we can think, I don't, I don't want to be like that, and you equate boldness with that. Well, that's a misunderstanding of what boldness is. I think from a biblical perspective, for sure. So let's talk about what boldness in this. First, let's see what it's not. Boldness is not brashness. Boldness is not volume. Boldness is not obnoxious. Boldness is not prideful. That isn't what boldness is about. All those are their own problems, okay? Boldness is not about that. So let, let's talk about what boldness is. Bold means this. It's not hesitating or fearful in the face of actual or possible danger or rebuff. Courageous and daring. That's what boldness is. So if we're talking about being bold as Christians, it means when it's time to say or do something, we aren't going to hesitate. Okay? Or we're not going to be fearful. Even though... It might put us at risk. And by the way, if you live boldly as a Christian, it very likely from time to time is going to put something at risk in your life. A relationship, 
comfortable situations. That's, that's going to happen, okay? But when we're bold, we aren't afraid of that, okay? Uh, and then the idea of a rebuff, right? Someone rebuffs you for... And, and I got to think that for most of us, one of the reasons we don't sometimes speak for Christ when we ought to speak for Christ or seek to open up a door, you know, be open even about our own faith is because we're concerned about how the people who are around are going to respond. Now, I mean, I tell you, for me, that is probably the biggest holdback. How about for you? How many of you would say, yeah, that's one of my biggest holdbacks, right? Yeah, okay. But when we have boldness, it doesn't mean that we aren't aware of that, but it's okay. We're, we're, we're going to be okay with that. We're going with that. And then the idea of being courageous or daring, the idea of courage being this willingness to do what you need to do even when you're afraid, right? That's, that's courage. Stepping out and doing that kind of thing. Now, what we're going to see here is that boldness, the kind of boldness that we need to have, is not like a personality trait that you want to try to add. If it's a personality trait, we'd say, well, some people have it, right? And other people don't. No, that's more like introvert, extrovert, right? You know, talkative person, not talkative. That's not what we're talking about. Um, you know, you can be bold and quiet. Bold and humble. So, I mean, that's not what boldness is about. It isn't the, 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 you know, the outward loudness kind of stuff. So, what is boldness? Well, there's something about, I think that we understand about boldness will help us. Because it's like I said, you can't just add being bold. That's weird. <laughs> okay? Uh, in fact, if you went out here to dance, I'm going to be bold, and you just start acting, it would be weird. Okay, here's what we're talking about. Boldness is a natural expression of what you're most passionate about. Okay? In other words, what you're passionate about is what's going to come out. Um, so let's go to the next thing there. You will express your greatest passions boldly. You will. Now, some silly examples of this. You know, if, if you go and eat at a restaurant, a new restaurant, and Wow, was it good, and was the service good, and all that. Do you tell your friends? Are you worried about how they're going to respond to you? Oh, I'm afraid they won't like me if I say I ate that hamburger. You know? Uh, no. How about um, sports stuff? You know, you aren't, uh, that, if you're passionate about that, it comes out. Whatever you are, a hobby that you have, it, it will come out. That's what you will talk. You'll be open about it. You won't be fearful. You won't be holding back. It'll come out. All right? So boldness is a natural expression of what you're passionate about, and you will express that passion boldly. So what does that mean for us then as Christians? We just read we are to be bold, Right? We're to be bold in how we, we speak about our relationship with God. We're to be bold, really, in how we live as Christians. Well, if boldness is the passions coming out, then Christian boldness requires that your greatest passions become your relationship with Christ, and secondly, your, the truths of the gospel, and third, other people who need Christ and the gospel. We need to be passionate about these things, genuinely passionate. And when we're genuinely passionate about these things, what's going to happen? It's going to come out as what? Boldness. 
This is, this is what will come out boldly, all right? So, so let's, let's dig down on these three things for a little bit here today, okay? So let's talk about the first one, your relationship with Christ. You, this needs to become uh, one of your greatest passions. So what I challenge you to do is to work on improving the quality of your relationship with the Lord then. I mean, we have relationships with all different kinds of people and all different levels in our relationships with people. And um, some people we barely know, but we could say, well, yeah, I, have, I sort of have a relationship. And then there are those that we really know well. Well, if, if so let's think. Here, here are these two people, different people. There's a person who I know, I know maybe even by name. I see them on rare occasion and we're friendly, but I don't really know much about them. And then there's my wife. And we get to talking about something and something comes up. Which of those relationships am I most likely to speak about? The one that I'm closest to, the one I know the best, the one I'm most passionate about. And so what I want to challenge you today is to, to, to think about how could I improve the quality of my relationship with the Lord. And, and um, let me just say, this, this is not like a formula thing. Anybody besides me notice that relationships get messy? <laughs> relationships get hard. And relationships are amazingly awesome and wonderful, right? All of that together. So there is no formula we're talking about, but it is about pursuing God. It's, it's, what it's really, you think, God, you know what? I, I want to know you better. I, I want to understand, you know, understand your, I want to know your heart. I want to be able to think like you, God, I want to be close to you. I want to draw near to you. And as you've promised that you will draw near to me when I draw near to you, this is what I want to do. Now, let me show you the kind of difference it can make for you. Uh, in the book of Proverbs, in uh, chapter 26 or 28, it says this, that the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Well, what does that have to do with it? Well, first of all, let's just let's make sure we understand what we're saying. Let me ask you a question. When you're driving down the road, okay, and you're relaxed, and you're obeying the speed limit, and you see a policeman, how do you feel? Ah, that's cool. But if you're in a hurry, and you're pushing the speed limit, and you're rolling through the stop signs, and you're, you're not, you're looking for the policeman, right? No, maybe not. Maybe none of you ever do that. I would never do that. <laughs> right. Okay. But we get the ideas, right? Is we're fearful when we aren't doing what's right. And when we're doing what's right, man, we have a, a much greater boldness, you might say, which is what this says. Righteousness is bold as a lion. Well, how do we, be, how do we get this righteousness? And what is going to happen? Well, it's as I pursue my relationship with the Lord, as I get to know him and I begin to understand what he wants me to do, how he wants me to live, what are the principles, and I begin to live by those things, see, that's the righteousness of God, you know, in, filtering into my life and beginning to saturate my life. And as, as his righteousness flows into my life because of my relationship with him is growing, it produces what? A boldness, a boldness in our living, a boldness about the things that we need to do. Go to Acts chapter 4 with me. Acts 4. 
So, but see, so that flows out of our relationship with Christ. Acts chapter 4, uh, of course, we, we, we've looked recently about um, the day of Pentecost and all the people getting saved and what was going on, uh, all the marvelous things God was doing. And, of course, the religious leaders were unhappy about it. And so they, they grab a hold of Peter and John, who just worked a great miracle. And they're, they're putting them, you know, on trial. It's an informal kind of trial, but they're putting them. So verse 7. And when they had set them, Peter and John, in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? It's this, this miracle. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Oh, by the way, whom you crucified. <laughs> That's a little bold, isn't it? Yep. Whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is, and he quotes scripture from Psalm 118. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now, that's pretty clear, isn't it? Okay. Now, when they, the religious leaders, saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. Let's just stop right there. What they're saying is there's, there's no natural explanation for this, Right? If they had a PhD in this, you know, well, maybe we would understand. But no, they don't. It says they marveled. And what a powerful statement this is. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. Wow. What made the difference for them to be bold like this? They had been with Jesus. And so that's what I'm saying to you, when, when I'm challenging you to think about how do I improve my relationship with the Lord? Well, I need to be with him, don't I? I need to spend time with him. And if you don't have any idea about how to do that, that would be understandable. Let us help you. We'd be glad to help you with that. But it's going to be about time on purpose, you know, sitting down, standing up, whatever you are. But on purpose, spending time, you know, hearing from God in his word and talking with him about the word and life and the things that he brings to mind and, and growing in these things. And what a, what a cool thing. People won't always know what it is, but when they see you living openly as a Christian, not an obnoxious knucklehead Christian, but a genuine, loving Christian, and, and there's a boldness about you, they will take note. And, and why will they take note? It's because you have been with Jesus. All right? All right, so this idea, working on improving your relationship with him. But I want to make a bigger challenge, okay? A bigger challenge than that, and that is to make your whole life about your relationship with the Lord. Your whole life. You know, and, and let's look in Philippians chapter 1. And we're going to come back to Philippians chapter 1, so you might just keep that marked for yourself. Philippians chapter 1. The Apostle Paul has, you know, been bold for the Lord. And uh, 
We've already seen that he wanted to be bold and that was important to him. And he finds himself in jail because of it. All right, he's been thrown in jail because he's been bold for Christ. And then he says this, verse 20. He says, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now, now while I'm in jail, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain because I get to go be with Christ. But you see what he's saying? This is what my life is about. I'm in jail, yeah, I'm in jail because this is what my life is about. Not jail, but about Jesus, about Christ. And so I really, really want to challenge you to think about it. Your whole life should be about your relationship with the Lord. And you say, well, how can that be? Okay, maybe I can get, I can get up in the morning and I can give up a little earlier and spend some time reading my Bible and talking with God. And, and I think about that, okay, but then I've got to go to work. I gotta drive with all those nutcases on the road on the way to work. Um, have you ever felt like you're the last normal person on the road? <laughs> but what you think, you say, wait a minute, no, no, no. Why am I even out here driving today? It's because this is what God has given me to do. He's given me this job, and I'm gonna to go to work and do it. So I have to drive there. I'm gonna drive there with you, Lord. Hey, maybe this will change the perspective on what's going on. Okay? It's no longer about me and my frustration. No, no, it's, it's, I'm driving, I'm going to work with the Lord here today. He, you know, he's with me and I'm trying to, to go with him. We're in this together. And I go to work. And, and when I get to work, I do my job the way, way Paul describes in Ephesians. He says, do your job for the Lord. Well, I have a boss. Okay, well... Jesus says, okay, what does your boss tell you? Let's do that. Let's do it with a good attitude. And let's do it to the best of our abilities. You and me, he's saying. And Jesus is saying, I'll reward you for doing that. Yes, billion dollar solar panels. For... Okay, let's pull this back in. Um, so you're doing that job with the Lord and for the Lord. And see, here's what happens as you do this. See, what's happening is you, you, this passion, you become passionate about what God has given you. Passionate about doing this job with the Lord. We're doing this together. How do you want me to do this, Lord? Hey, this is pretty cool. Wow, you know, I'm doing... Now, if you're doing something in life and you realize that this is a waste for everybody, then find a different job. The Lord will help you with that. But generally speaking, I'm going to do this with the Lord. And then you interact with the people around you. And guess what's going to happen? You're going to be, there's going to be a boldness there. It's going to be an appropriate boldness. It might be a quiet boldness. It might be firm boldness or whatever. Um, but the idea is your whole life is becoming about the Lord. And as your whole life is about your relationship with the Lord, and it's easy for this to slip away from us sometimes because life gets busy and hectic and the demands. But let's, we want to on purpose not let it slip away from us. My life is about Christ, whether I live or whether I die or whether people like me or people don't, or what, right? My life is about the Lord. And, and that's, that's a big challenge. And if you get nothing else today and you go home with that and you start pondering that and you start talking to God about what that means in your life, it'll change your life. And boldness will come. 
because it will be a passion inside of you. So you're talking about your relationship with Christ, becoming passionate about it. It's, it's about improving the quality of that relationship and then really going beyond and say, my whole life is about my relationship with you, Lord. All right, second thing you want to become passionate about is the truths of the gospel. The truths of the gospel. We're talking about who you, you need to learn who you are and what you have in Christ. And we actually talked about this, I think, in the first week when we talked about the fact that the church was young, they were obsessed with the gospel. And I gave you 31 truths, right? And there's a, there's a bookmark. It's on, by the way, it's in our Facebook group again, uh, events and announcements page. The link to it is there. Again, you can download the file. It's perfect. It just shows up. It's the right size in your phone. There, you can look at one of those each day. Look up the verse. Think about it. But you want to become passionate about the truths of the gospel. And you will not become passionate about the truths of the gospel by ignoring them. You won't. You become passionate about the truths of the gospel as you focus on them and as you meditate on them. And you think, what difference does this make in my life? What difference does this make in how I view my circumstances? What difference does this make in how I should be responding? And, and you, you begin to saturate yourself with the gospel. And so I put together another list. It's, it's, some of them are the same, others are different. But anyway, so let's take a look at this list. Go ahead, if you would. And the print's too small for you to read. <laughs> Let me read through this quickly. Here you go. These are things that are true of who you are and what you have in Christ. I am a child of God. We just sang that, didn't we? I am a child of God. I am connected to Christ. His life flows through me. I'm a friend of Jesus. I have been justified. I am chosen, holy, and blameless before God. I'm redeemed and forgiven by the grace of Christ. I am no longer a slave to sin. I am an heir of God. I will not be condemned by God. I have been set free from the law of sin and death, and I have been made alive with Christ. I am a fellow heir with Christ. I have been accepted by Christ. I have been declared holy by God, and I am learning to live holy with God. I have been made righteous. The Holy Spirit lives in me. I am inseparably joined to the Lord and God leads me in the triumph and knowledge of Christ and my mind is no longer closed to truth and my heart is no longer hardened to God. I am a new creation in Christ. I have been made one with everyone else who is in Christ. I have great freedom in Christ and I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I have been predestined by God to obtain an inheritance. I have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. I am already seated in the heavenly places with Christ. That will blow your mind. I am God's workmanship created to produce good works. I have been brought near to God by the blood of Christ and I am a member of Christ's body and a partaker of his promises. I have boldness and confident access to God through faith in Christ. I am a citizen of heaven. And the peace of God guards my heart and mind. God supplies all my needs. I have been made complete in Christ. My life is hidden with Christ in God. Um, and you might say, boy, I wish that was a description of my life. Well, let me say to you, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, it is a description of your life. And maybe you don't know it. And you don't understand it and you don't, you don't trust him to, to help you to experience the reality of those things. This is what he, these things are what he has done in your life. These are the things that you have in your life. This is who you are in your relationship with him. It is true. It is settled. 
See, you need to become passionate about it. To where you learn these things and you know these things and you let it shape your mind and you let them shape your heart. Becoming passionate about these things. So learn who you are and what you have in Christ. So how do we respond then? Let's, let's look at some ways in the Bible we see people responding to this. You know, uh, it says here, therefore, since we have such hope, we use what? Great boldness of speech. We have this hope. We have passionate hope. So we what? So we speak boldly. And again, boldly is, is being willing to say what you should say when you should say it. You're not afraid. You're not holding back. Okay? Another one in, in Ephesians. Go ahead. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Go ahead and go to the next one. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We have boldness in our relationship with God when we understand these things, right? And then finally, it says, so we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. Because what? What can man do to me? But see, you don't have that. You don't have that view of life unless you have the view of life of what God says he's done for you in Christ and, and what you have because of it. See, that's how you get to that place. Otherwise, you aren't there. All right, so learn the truths of the gospel. Learn who you are, what you have in Christ. And secondly, it's the same kind of idea with the first one. Pattern your whole life in a way that's consistent with the gospel. Okay, so all right, all those things are true. What does this mean in my life? What does it mean about this thing that I'm struggling with? What does it mean about this opportunity that I have? What does it mean about this issue that I need to say no? What does the gospel mean in those kinds of things? And then you make those decisions and you, you begin to live your life in ways that line up with what the Lord says. Here we are in Philippians 1 again, verse 27. He says, only let your conduct... This is where Paul just talked about being in jail and my life is about Christ. Verse 27, only let your conduct, how you live your life, be worthy of the gospel of Christ. And worthy in other words, it ought to match. All right, so if you go to buy an item in a store and you say, ah, this, this looks good, and then you look at the price, let's say a pair of shoes, okay? You go and you look at the price, or, or the shoes, oh, these are awesome. You look at the price and it says $500. And you say what? Ain't worth that. Not worthy of $500. <laughs> okay, same thing in our lives. He says, let your conduct, how you live, match. How valuable is the gospel? How significant is that in your life, right? Okay, so you want to begin to live your life in ways that match that. Okay? All right. He says, the, uh, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. So again, see, the, you, it's, it, the gospel is, is part of your life and how you're living. And now you're not only doing it yourself, you're doing it with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And then he says this, verse 28, and not in any way terrified by your adversary. Not afraid. Not fearful. And wasn't that part of how we understood the definition of boldness? 
is not being afraid or fearful. Um, and so here we are. We align our lives with the gospel. We, we begin to match our lives to these things that, that we just read that God says are true. Okay, how do I live if that's true? What do I do? What do I not do? What do I change? What do I begin? And, and you start doing that. And by the way, for those of you who like it, that's called the sanctification process, right? Okay, where God is making us more the way we ought to be. But so you do that, then all of a sudden you find that you're no longer terrified by those who would oppose you. You just aren't. And we didn't read the rest of that verse, but he says there, when you have that kind of boldness, it's going to scare them. They'll be the ones who get scared because maybe there's truth to what you're saying. And you'll become more confident because of it. All right, so the truth is the gospel. Learn who you are, what you have in Christ, pattern your whole life in a way that's consistent with the gospel. And that brings us to the third area. You need to become passionate about people who need Christ and the gospel. People who need Christ and the gospel. Let's go to Romans chapter one or chapter nine. The Apostle Paul in this book has talked about you know, how we are saved by faith, not by works. You know, we're not the Jewish people. You're not saved by the law. You've got to believe in Jesus just like everybody has to. What an awesome thing that is. Chapter 6, 7, and 8, he talks about how do we get from here to there. He already talks about all these truths that we looked at in Christ, 6, 7, and 8. And then he gets to chapter 9 and he says this. I tell you the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Okay, Paul, you just got to tell us how we're going to, all these things that are true in Christ and, you know, the victory that we have in Christ. And now you're telling me you're, you're burdened in sorrow and you have grief. What's the deal? Let's look at it again. He says, I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen according to the flesh. That statement always just blows me away and overwhelms me. I don't quite know what to make of it. Except I tell you that, that there was an area of Paul's life where he experienced deep grief and sorrow, and that was over his fellow Israelites who were unsaved. Those who did not know Christ. He was burdened and grieved for them. And what I'm saying to you is that you and I need to become burdened and grieved for those people around us that do not know the Lord. What is their destiny? I'm not asking you to say it out loud, but what is their destiny? The Bible is quite clear, right? That if a person that we've all sinned and fallen short of God's standards, his glory. And because of that, we are spiritually dead and we are separated from God. We can know he's there. You know, we can believe that he exists, but we're separated from him. And, and, and there's a spiritual deadness inside. And if, if we, you know, most of us here today, maybe all of us who are here today and have come to know Christ as Savior, if we had not had the gospel shared to us in a way that we could understand and, and you know, provided with an opportunity to respond, and, and where would we, what would our destiny be? We'd be on the way to hell, wouldn't we? 
If our lives end in that condition, we're separated from God forever in hell. And, and hell is not a popular thing to talk about. I had no pleasure in talking about it. It is a terrible place, terrible thing. And, and I think, you know, God gives us pictures of it in his word, but my guess is those aren't sufficient to really communicate what it would be like to die separated from God, spiritually dead forever. And then, so Paul is grieved, and are we grieved? Think about the people you know that you actually have a relationship with that do not know Jesus. You understand that's their destiny. And you have no guarantee that you'll see them again tomorrow. Now, that doesn't mean we don't put the, the guilt on us that, well, wow, you know, I didn't know. But what we do want to say is we want to make sure that we were bold witnesses. As we spoke when we should speak. We said what we should say. And so Paul is grieved, and he's so grieved, he says, man, I could wish I was unsaved for them, but I, I, I have, I don't know, I, I have a hard time saying that. All right, so we need to become burdened about their condition, so then that should motivate us to pray from our hearts for their salvation. Look in chapter 10. Paul talking about them, he says, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. Oh God, that person that I work with, and you know, we have a good time, we laugh about things, we do things together, but God, they don't know you, and I, I really haven't been a bold witness. Not, a, not an obnoxious witness, not a, but I haven't spoken how I probably should have spoken. Oh God, please work in their lives, prepare their hearts, and help me to be so in tune with you that I'm ready to speak. Because this is becoming a passion of yours, and I guarantee you, I just guarantee you on the basis of word and my experience and how it's played out in life is that if you will actually begin praying specifically for certain individuals, God, please work in their life. I want to see them saved. You know, if there's somebody else in their life you can bring in to help, awesome. Uh, use their circumstances, cut soften their heart, their mind. You know, they seem to be caught up in this. And please, God, break through that. Oh, God, please work in their life so they get saved. And, and I'm willing to do whatever my part is. I'm scared, but I'm willing. What happens when you become passionate about something? Boldness comes out, right? So become passionate about these people in your life who need to know the Lord. Because remember, here's what we, we talked about at the beginning. Boldness is an expression of what you're most passionate about. And so, so you will express your greatest passions boldly. And so that means that we've got to get passionate about the right things. Go ahead, Sergey. When your greatest passion becomes Christ and your life with him, boldness will show up. Your witness will be empowered. Okay? Look what happens here. Barnabas. You know, the Apostle Paul, remember, Apostle Paul wasn't always the Apostle Paul. He was Saul, the Jewish religious leader who persecuted Christians, who hated Christians, dragged them off to prison, had some of them killed. I mean, he was a bad dude. And Jesus showed up in his life and changed everything. But guess what? Then when Saul showed up with the Christians, what did they do? Wait a minute. We think this is another one of his tricks. He's going to get us. Barnabas came alongside Saul and saw something in him. 
that caused him to believe God had done a work. So let's look. Barnabas brought him to the apostles and he declared to them how Saul had seen the Lord on the road and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so Paul's boldness was something that Barnabas noticed that was authentic and couldn't have been fake. And there's this, and when you begin to live boldly in your life as a Christian, it doesn't mean people will agree with your faith, but they're going to say, wow, this person really believes this. It's going it to convince people of the sincerity of your faith. It's not about you trying to get them to do something for you. But they will see the sincerity of your faith when your boldness comes out. And not only that, when you become bold, your witness will be empowered because it will enable you to say hard things when they're needed. Let's look at the next passage here. Go ahead, Sergey. He says, uh, go back one. There we go, thank you, yes. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first. Talking to Jewish people who are now resisting the gospel. He said, but since you rejected and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. That was a huge thing to say. That was a thing that was going to cause trouble. But they needed to understand where they were and they needed to understand what God was doing. And so they spoke it. But you see how boldness enables us to say hard things. And the hard thing might be just, listen, I'm, I really am concerned about you because eternity matters. And you're going to end up in heaven or hell depending on your relationship with Christ. Now, how many of you say, oh, that's what I want to go say tomorrow to my friends? Naturally, we don't want to. But if we are passionate about these things we've been talking about, we'll be able to say the hard things when it's time to say the hard things. Okay? All right. Second thing here, your boldness will be infectious. Look what Paul says with the same passage we were in earlier. And most of the brethren of the Lord having become confident by my chains are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Paul's boldness and, and, and how he lived that boldness out helped other people to be boldness. And, and once again, man, if, if you... And I, if we can become bolder, then when we get together with each other and we're open, well, let me tell you what God is doing here. I, I had a conversation with my, my neighbor that I never thought I would have. But they seem like they're open to the gospel. I just, I, I just stepped out and I did it. You're sharing that and somebody else is thinking, my neighbor, maybe I could do that. You see, boldness is infectious, and that's a good thing. And then finally, this is just logical conclusion. Many lives will be changed forever, including yours. If you will become passionate, your greatest passion becomes Christ, living your life for him, your whole life about him, the truths of the gospel and what they mean, and, and these people around you. Also, you become passionate about these things. It changes you. And the people who come to Christ, their lives will be changed forever. As will yours. So here's what I want to challenge you today. In fact, let's just bow our heads and close our eyes just for a moment. First, if you've never received Jesus as Savior, like I talked about earlier, I encourage you to do that. Right now, just, you know, you know that Jesus died for your sins and rose again. Just say to God, oh God, that's for me. I've sinned against you. I need a Savior. I put my faith in Jesus. 
Just do that right now. If you're watching, same thing. Don't wait, just do it. And then for all of us, I want to encourage you to, to figure out, God, how do you want me to respond to these truths? So right now, just in the quietness of your heart, just silently say to God, God, how do you want me to respond to this? And what I want to encourage you to do is do one, two, or three things. You know, one is fine, but make sure you start with something. You know, you just need to say, okay, I need to become passionate about my relationship with Christ. What do I need to do for that to happen? What do I need to do? Okay, God, show me that. I'll, I will do that today, tomorrow, the next day. If you want to add a second one, okay, God, help me to be passionate about the truths of the gospel. Lord, what do I need to do? I need to grab that bookmark or look at what I, I need to focus on this. Do that. Uh, maybe you need to make a list of some people that God has burdened you, is burning your heart about need to be saved and begin praying for Whatever, but do something. So right now, again, just ask God, what do you want me to do? I'll do it. Go ahead. And if anything became clear to you when you leave, you go ahead, you can look up. Anything became clear to you right then, you go do it. Okay? Go do what the Lord said. Be doers of the word. And if you're still unclear, that's fine. And you keep talking to God about it. If you need help, let us help you. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that the, the young church there, Lord, was so passionate that they didn't hold back. And I pray, Lord, that you will continue to work in our lives. I thank you, Father, for those of us here today who are already passionate and you're using those ways. And I pray for all of us, Lord, that we'll grow in it. For some, Lord, that it would be a, a new first step. We thank you for working in our lives and we look forward to what you're going to do. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. All right, God bless you. Go be passionate about the things you need to. Amen. And you'll be bold about what you need to.